DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, presents The Letters of St. Therese of Lisieux with Father Timothy Gallagher. Father Gallagher is a member of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, a religious community dedicated to retreats and spiritual direction according to the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. He is featured on several series found on the Eternal Word television network. He is also author of numerous books on the spiritual teachings of St. Ignatius of Loyola and the Venerable Bruno Lanteri, founder of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, as well as other works focused on aspects of the spiritual life. The Letters of St. Therese of Lisieux with Father Timothy Gallagher. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We really do see St. Therese the Theologian. And I'm thinking in the sense of San Anselmo, St. Anselm, when he referred to faith-seeking understanding. You know, that faith where we have a relationship with God. He, and, and then that seeking is in the everyday, just seeing him in the Word. She loved the Word so much. And at the sacrament and creation, she looks outside. And that understanding is not so much where she sat down and studied didactically, but she had a Christian intuition. Put that combination, and, and that's how San Anselmo encouraged theology. That's how it should be done. You see that in her, don't you, Father Gallagher? Very much. Yeah, you very much see this in her. She, she really is a doctor of the church. The more you get to know her, the more you really understand that. I would say it's largely untutored intelligence and intuition. There's a book actually written by a Carmelite sister on Therese and the Seven Gifts of the Holy Spirit, and the sister goes through each of these, and you can see them. Therese, if you want to get a feel for the the light, the grace, expanding of the heart, the intuition into truth, the spiritual strength that come through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you can take each of them and see them illustrated in Therese. What you're getting here might perhaps be the uh, the spiritual gift of wisdom, which is a spiritual intuition beyond simply knowing things because we've studied them. You see that so so much in Therese, absolutely. Yeah, I've, I've heard that too, that the doctrines of the Church have that charism of wisdom. And it's something so deep that those doctors, when you look at their lives you almost always see a period, especially in the earlier years of suffering, and in a deep immersion of prayer, long before their studies, long before they are able to articulate a particular doctrine or something that the church needs. And you so clearly see that in this this little flower, (laughs) so extraordinarily so. to be in that, that pantheon of, in that special balcony section of the great cloud of witnesses where they all Well, sit. she's an illustration of what grace can do in the natural gifts with which God endows us in our birth. Therese had a very profound intelligence. She, she was just a very intelligent woman and also a very sensitive heart very, very perceptive to even the fine shades of of what might be present in various relational situations. 
And when suffering and prayer mature that, then you get this, this wonderful mix which creates a doctrine of the church and the wisdom that we're seeing here. So she goes on, In heaven we shall not meet with indifferent glances. Very nice thing. You know, we may have the image that we will be recognized by those with whom we shared life on this earth, but the others will sort of be uh, a little more outside the range. And she's saying, no, no. In heaven we shall not meet with indifferent glances, because all the elect will discover that they owe to each other the graces that merited the crown for them. That's when we'll really see this whole picture. Now, now look at that. From that small example, from that small uh, incident, Therese derives such a profound spiritual lesson. What if we had eyes a little bit even like that? All right, here is Therese again. And uh, we are just a little bit further in this final summer. This is July 25th, so it's of 10 days after the the text that we just read. And again, it's her sister Pauline who's writing. So she simply quotes Therese here without any commentary. So Therese is speaking. Listen to this little very funny story. One day, after I received the habit, Sister St. Vincent de Paul saw me with Mother Prioress, and she exclaimed, Oh, how well she looks! Is this big girl strong? Is she plump? I left quite humbled by the compliment. When Sister Magdalene stopped me in front of the kitchen and said, But what is becoming of you, poor little Sister Therese of the Child Jesus? You are fading away before our eyes. If you continue at this pace with an appearance that makes one tremble, you won't observe the rule very long. All right, so there's the incident. Two completely contrary appraisals of her within a matter of, let's say, a minute, one of the other. Now watch where Therese goes with this. I couldn't get over hearing, one after the other, two such contrary appraisals. Ever since that moment, so this is a starting point of grace for her, and a big grace, ever since that moment I have never attached any importance to the opinion of creatures. And this impression has so developed in me that at this present time, reproaches and compliments glide over me without leaving the slightest imprint. And I marvel again there at how such an ordinary simple thing became such a lifelong source of grace for her and something that really matters an awful lot. From that incident, she learns to relativize the, the different things that people say about her. That um, moment in Therese's life is something that I've thought about from time to time, and it does help. Human appraisals always have their limitations, and Therese in, in that experience learns to give them no more importance than they might have, whether they be negative or whether they be in praise of her. So a kind of freedom uh, accrues to her from that. All right, one final illustration along these lines, and this is from her novice, Sister Marie of the Trinity. One day I hurt her feelings when I would not admit the faults she reproached me with. This was something Therese did reluctantly, but because she had the duty to do it. She was named as assistant to the novice mistress, and so it was her task, and, and she took up the charge, um, did not do it by half measures. And if she saw faults in the novices that really needed to be brought to their attention and changed, um, although it cost her, she would not hold back in mentioning them. So some fault of some kind like this has um, happened in Marie of the Trinity, and Therese has um, brought it to her attention, and Marie refuses to accept this um, one day I hurt her feelings when I would not admit the faults she reproached me with. 
Then the following happens. The bell rang just then, and we had to go join the community, so they don't have time to uh, stay there and discuss this. On the way down, I began to be sorry for the way I had behaved, and I whispered to her, I behaved very badly just now. I had not time to say any more before I saw her eyes filled with tears. She looked at me tenderly and said, I have never felt so keenly, now again, an enormous grace in a very ordinary thing. I have never felt so keenly the love with which Jesus receives us when we ask his pardon after offending him. If a poor little creature of his like me could feel so much love for you when you came back to me, what must God feel when people come back to him? And this is another one of these anecdotes in Therese that uh, is there and lodged in my memory and that I think about from time to time. When we get discouraged, you know, we feel like, I've just done it again, Lord, and there's a heaviness in our heart. And I think of Therese when this rambunctious, at this point somewhat, occasionally at least wayward novice, wayward within the parameters of conventional life, was able to recognize that she had been resistant to something that was really for her good and turns to Therese and says this, and Therese feels such a surge of love in her heart for this young novice that her tears fall. And in the light of that, with Therese's guidance, to understand how the Lord looks at me when I come to him asking forgiveness for whatever failure it might have been, it's very heartwarming, very hard to be afraid of that God. And there's no longer any reason to keep a distance or to wait before approaching that God. So these, these we could go on and on with this, but I think the point is made. How, how Therese, her, her spiritual eyes are so open that she can perceive God and receive even life-changing graces in the ordinary things of everyday life. So it's a grace to ask for, to live with our eyes spiritually opened a little bit like that. We'll return to the letters of St. Therese of Lisieux with Father Timothy Gallagher in just a moment. Did you know that you can obtain a free app which contains all your favorite Discerning Hearts programs? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Archbishop George Lucas, Father Mauritius Fildi, and so many more, including episodes from Inside the Pages, can be obtained on the Discerning Hearts free app. This also includes all the novenas and devotionals and prayers, including the Holy Rosary and Stations of the Cross, the Chaplet of St. Michael, and the Seven Sorrows of Our Lady, all available on the Discerning Hearts free app. Visit the iTunes and Google Play app stores to obtain your free Discerning Hearts app today. A prayer for the intercession of Venerable Bruno Lanteri. O Father, fountain of all life and holiness, you gave Father Bruno Lanteri great faith in Christ your Son, a lively hope, and an act of love for the salvation of his brethren. You made him a prophet of your word and a witness to your mercy. He had a tender love for Mary, and by his very life he taught fidelity to the Church. 
Father, hear the prayer of your family, and through the intercession of Father Lanteri, grant us the grace for which we now ask. May he be glorified on earth, that we may give you greater praise. We ask this through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to The Letters of St. Therese of Lisieux with Father Timothy Gallagher. There are many illustrations of the way Therese lived the little way in the many anecdotes in the sources that we're reviewing. And so, kind of to represent all of them, I'm just going to choose one and we'll explore it uh, a little bit. And this is this incident when Therese assists the elderly sister St. Peter from the uh, place of prayer to the refectory where they have their meals, the sister who has difficulty walking and settles her to be ready for the meal. So that's the entirety of what happens. So who is Sister St. Peter? Well, Sister St. Peter, at the time that uh, these events took place, is about 60 years old. She was the daughter of parents who were farmers, so a person without much education, and uh, who had worked for a number of years as a servant before, at the age of 33, entering the Carmel. And uh, she was physically strong, and she was a tireless worker. She, she, did, she was a lay sister. In uh, the Carmel at Therese time, there were five of these lay sisters, and maybe 20, but with variations of the, um, of the rest of the sisters. Now, with Second Vatican Council, shortly after the Second Vatican Council, that distinction was eliminated. But at the time, there were these two tiers of sisters. And the lay sisters tended to be the ones like Sister St. Peter, who had limited education. And they would enter the Carmel, they would uh, live in the monastery, share the full um, commitment to monastic life, go to daily Mass. But their life of prayer was simplified because it was understood that generally they would not be able to handle, for example, the Latin of the office, the divine office. And in place of the office, they would pray Hail Marys or Our Fathers. Uh, their hours of prayer were a little less than the other sisters. And generally, they would be dedicated to the more manual tasks in the monastery, things like cooking and, and uh, things of that kind. As the, uh, the years went by with Sister St. Peter, uh, as she gets to around this age of 60, gout and arthritis uh, are quite extensive in her. And so walking becomes increasingly painful and it gets to the point where she can only walk with crutches and at the price of a lot of pain. So she needed help 
to get from the choir area where they would uh, pray the office to supper on time. So somebody had, uh, supper was at six. At 10 minutes to six, somebody had to begin to help her to leave the choir area and assist her in this painful process of walking down toward the refectory and get her settled so she would be ready for the meal when the other sisters would arrive. Because she was in pain, she could be difficult. That's very understandable, I think. And so uh, there was a little reluctance to take on that task. And Therese decides at this point, uh, at the price of um, overcoming some uh, reluctance in herself, she volunteers uh, for this task. And it's difficult to even get Sister St. Peter to accept her because Therese is the youngest in the community. She's about 17 years old at this time. And Sister St. Peter is not at all sure that such a young girl is going to be able to do this well. But she finally does accept Therese's help. uh, Therese, in the story of a soul, describes what happens as uh, she shares this process with Sister St. Peter. So this is in chapter 11, the final part of the story of a soul. I remember an act of charity God inspired me to perform when I was still a novice. It was only a very small thing. Everything in Therese, in objective terms, visible terms, let's call it objective, isn't quite the right word there, but in visible terms, would be very small. But what's going to happen spiritually is not small. It was only a very small thing, but, and here she uh, turns to the scriptures, Our Father who sees in secret and who looks more upon the intention than upon the greatness of the act, has already rewarded me without my having to wait for the next life. At this point, Sister St. Peter has already died. She died two years before Therese. She was 65, and she died. It was at the time Sister St. Pierre was still going, Sister St. Peter, Sister St. Pierre, we'll keep the English here. It was at the time Sister St. Peter was still going to the choir and the refectory. Later, this became even too painful for her. She was placed in front of me during evening prayer. At ten minutes to six, a sister had to get up and lead her to the refectory, for the infirmarians, those who took care of the sisters who were ill, had too many patients and were unable to attend to her. It cost me very much to offer myself for this little service. This was not easy for her. Because I knew it was not easy to please Sister St. Peter. She was suffering very much and she did not like it when her helpers were changed. So helping a person who is in physical pain, you know, anyone with that experience would well understand Sister St. Peter. However, I did not want to lose such a beautiful opportunity for exercising charity. So what kind of opportunities are always there for us? Remembering the words of Jesus, Scripture again, she is steeped in scripture. It's the stuff of how she views life. Remembering the words of Jesus, whatever you do to the least of my brothers, you do to me. I offered myself very humbly to lead her, and it was with a great deal of trouble that I succeeded in having my services accepted. I finally set to work, and with so much goodwill that I succeeded perfectly. Each evening when I saw Sister St. Peter shake her hourglass, that's what they used in order to Uh, to no time. I knew this meant, let's go. It is incredible how difficult it was for me to get up, especially at the beginning. She had to overcome a lot of repugnance to get up and go through the whole thing all over again, knowing how difficult this was going to be. But she does it, especially at the beginning, 
gradually it will get easier for her. However, I did it immediately, no hesitation, and then a ritual was set in motion. I had to remove and carry her little bench in a certain way. Above all, I was not to hurry, and then the walk took place down to the refectory. It was a question of following the poor invalid by holding her cincture. So this would be the, um, the cord that served as a belt in the habit. So her task was to stand behind Sister St. Peter, holding on to that, uh, that cincture so to ensure that she wouldn't fall. I did this with as much gentleness as possible. But if by mistake she took a false step, immediately it appeared to her that I was holding her incorrectly and that she was about to fall. Ah, my God, you are going too fast. I'm going to break something. If I tried to go more slowly, well, come on, I don't feel your hand. You've let me go and I'm going to fall. Ah, I was right when I said you were too young to help me. Finally, we reached the refectory without mishap, and here other difficulties arose. I had to seat Sister St. Peter, and I had to act skillfully in order not to hurt her. Then I had to turn back her sleeves again in a certain way, and afterward I was free to leave. But this is how she wins uh, Sister St. Peter over. With her poor crippled hands, she was trying to manage with her bread as well as she could. I soon noticed this, and each evening I did not leave her until I had rendered her this little service. As she had not asked for this, she was very much touched by my attention, and it was by this means that I gained her entire good graces, and especially, I learned this later, because after cutting her bread for her, I gave her my most beautiful smile before leaving her all alone. That's the little way. Uh, as we've said before, little in the, in the events, exactly the opposite of little in the love put into them and in the beauty of what happens from them. I couldn't help but think that, that image of her holding onto the cincture from the back, the numerous CNAs out there that do that in a nursing home every day, those in a hospital, those even caring for parents, maybe even their homes, be able to stabilize them. The literal agony that the patients, the uh, elderly, can often experience because of their loss of mobility. And, and not just the agony, the physical pain, but the excruciating inner pain that comes from knowing I will never be who I was. And I do not want help, but I can't function without help. That can be a tremendous suffering. And what, it, what Therese did in that is she broke through it. You know, we have discussed this before, but sometimes we just want to turn away from that. Her parents, even though she was four, I don't know if she ever had memories of the way her parents would enter into the misery of others. It sheds a very concrete light on what she means when she says the only thing that she wants is to love, to love Jesus unto folly and to love others with the grace that he gives her. This is what the words are conveying. This kind of attentiveness to another person's suffering and the, uh, the sensitivity and the tact to let the person know, in this case, that she uh, is really loved. 
by doing that extra little thing that was not necessary and doing it with such uh, a wonderful smile. You know, as you're saying this, I still remember it's, um, no, almost 45 years ago, I was in the hospital for a surgery. And after the surgery, you know, felt like a truck had run over me. And uh, one day the nurse came in to do whatever she had to do, and she did it. But she didn't leave before she got me laughing. Um, and I, I still remember that with gratitude. It's just that extra little bit. That's what Therese means by, by, by love. And again, it's, it's a, an image for us. If we can live our own lives, not missing a single opportunity in the ordinary things of daily life, as we've seen her little way described, to do this kind of thing. You know, we say so easily, you know, to change the world. It will change the world, one person at a time. Is this an aspect, a tangible expression, in part, not totality, but in part, of what divine mercy looks like? It's that entering into the misery of another and because of that love, God is love, by being there, offering that communion of love, that mercy is shines down into the heart of another. It has, but it comes through, in part, through us. Therese teaches so effectively because she teaches by example, by anecdote, by story. That word story, which was the first thing that ever drew her to me, I see increasingly is really at the heart of so much in Therese. So many books that have been written on her use that same title, you know, story of a life, story of a family, and so on. And advisedly, because Therese doesn't teach abstractly. She learns lessons from incidents in life, and she applies them in uh, very concrete ways. And it's one of the reasons why she's so accessible. There's no one who can't read Therese. You know, she's um, accessible to everyone in that way. Well, let's hear Sister St. Peter herself on this incident. For the process of beatification, Therese's sister Celine uh, said the following. Sister St. Peter gave me a detailed account of the charitable care which Sister Therese took of her. Then she, Sister St. Peter, added solemnly, such acts of virtue must not remain hidden under a bushel. Well, they haven't. The servant of God, that is Therese Virtue, must have been of a very special gentleness to impress a rough temperament such as hers like that. What she had found particularly striking was the angelic smile with which her kindly helper left her on each occasion. So that's Sister St. Peter's grateful remembrance of this years later in her life. You've been listening to The Letters of St. Therese of Lisieux with Father Timothy Gallagher. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with thousands of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, and if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for The Letters of St. Therese of Lisieux with Father Timothy Gallagher.